0: Amen. Thank you so much. For those of you that don't know, that's three generations. Uh, Grandpa is the big guy, and uh, his daughter, and then his granddaughter. And Earl and his daughter, Sarah, sang together, have been singing together many years. When Sarah was as small as Emma, they were singing, and now Emma's singing with them. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, we're blessed, aren't we? Aren't we blessed? And he's worthy of our praise. We are blessed. Thank you so much. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. Yes. Yes. He is your son is, works with FEMA and he's down in New Orleans. Okay. But he's volunteering. What's his first name again? Daryl. Daryl. Yes. Darryl. Okay. We sure will. Let's just take a moment and pray now. Father, we pray for Daryl that you will watch over him and keep him safe and use him to touch and help people who are in trouble. Keep him safe now and hedge him about, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we're in this study on the unseen world. And we're going to start here in Hebrews. And I want you to keep your Bibles open. We're going to come back to this at the close of the service, if time permits us to do so. In the unseen world, we've seen... We've talked about God, of course. He's the most obvious part of the unseen world. We've talked about angels and uh, what the Bible says about uh, angels. We've talked about Satan and his demons. And that's an unpleasant part of the unseen world, but it's just as much a reality as the others. And, And we've talked about Satan's desire to... Uh, harm us, our testimonies, destroy families and marriages and so forth. We've talked about, in in that frame, we've talked about alcohol, drugs, immorality, pornography, homosexuality, and the, the far left pushing the gay agenda in America today. There's a lot of ways in which Satan wants to capture and harm uh, people of America. God's people even, but uh, everyone. And so we need to be aware of these things. So I'm going to come back. I don't, talk, I don't speak on this subject often uh, at all. But since we're talking about it, I wanted, to, I wanted to say all the things I felt like the Lord had put on my heart. So I'm, I'm back with this thought of Satan and immorality of all sorts, but particularly homosexuality. So in that in, with that in mind, let's look at our text here, which is in verse 27 and uh, of Hebrews 11, that great chapter of faith. And in verse 27, it's talking about Moses, which we know from the context. But verse 27 says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The word seeing there is in the, in the present tense in the Greek, which means continually. He, not just one time, not just every now and then, he continually had his eyes on the Lord. That's how he endured all the hardships and temptations of life. He continually had his eyes on the one who is invisible on the Lord. That's the way you and I can be victorious as well. Pray with me. Father, thank you for our time together. Make it profitable, I pray, each of us. May we have ears to hear and eyes to see today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to tell you a true story, but not only is it true, it is tragic. It's also glorious it's about a little girl who was named Laura Perry and she became a transgender man and lived as a transgender man for nine years she's recently came come out and telling her story and uh, she says that she was trapped in a persistent pattern of believing lies now we know where lies come from Jesus said that uh, Satan is a liar and the father of all lies he's behind all the lies and so that's where this comes from she was in a pattern she said now this had started when she was in grammar school and then she lived nine years through middle school high school and beyond as a man named Jake Over the years, she said, and I'm quoting her, I was believing a lot of lies, and it started early. It starts early, and today, in many places, people, even in places of authority, are telling children they can choose whether to be a boy or a girl. You're you're born... Uh, one way, but you can choose either one. Can you imagine how confusing that is to a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and so forth? And so she began young to hear these things. She said she struggled with feeling like she fit in. All young people trouble with feeling like they fit in, don't they? Everybody does. You remember when you were a young person, you felt the same way. She said... She was miserable, and finally she thought, from what she had heard, that the reason she was unhappy is because she was supposed to be a man. And then she comments, I had been in porn for many years. How can a middle schooler be in porn for many years? That's what she said. I don't know whether many means two, three, or five, I don't know. And she said the pornography was feeding this fantasy. Then she says that finally she decided it was time for her to transition and take on a new life. So she began to dress like a boy and call herself Jake. And then she began taking hormones. Somewhere around the age of 12 you can begin that. Her voice began to deepen some, and eventually she had some facial hair. And people began to, quote, affirm her as a a man, as a boy. And she said deep down she was still miserable. Perry's parents declined to call her Jake. They were devastated by what was going on, but they continued to love her. They refused to use her preferred pronouns and instead called her her and by her given name, Laura. But even though they didn't participate, they still loved her dearly. And they never stopped loving her. They never stopped telling her that they loved her. And uh, she would say... They, uh, they continued to tell me all the time, I love you. She said, I was frustrated with them because they wouldn't accept me as Jake. But I knew they loved me. Even though her mom and dad treasured their daughter, they loved Christ more. That's in quotations. That's what they said. Laura would say, sometimes... And years later, that would be a testimony to me of the true depth of my parents' faith. She said, meanwhile, I came to completely reject God. There were times in high school that I was praying to Satan. Here we come back to Satan again, who's behind all of this. And uh, she said, I was praying to Satan and asking Satan to keep people From coming to know Jesus. Wow. That's remarkable, isn't it? She says as time progressed, she had a mastectomy, had her breast removed. And uh, after that surgery, she said doubt began to creep back in. And she realized that, and I'm quoting now, (coughs) excuse me. I realized that I hadn't made myself a man. And I felt stupid. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, she said, I felt stupid. I was like, and I'm quoting, why did I think cutting off the breast was going to make me a man? She says again, I was entra- in, entrapped in the endless cycle of lies, deception, and confusion. We know who promotes those three things, don't we? She said, I thought that I would finally feel right if I got rid of the rest of my female organs, so I had a hysterectomy and all of my ovaries removed. That still didn't fix it. I was still miserable, and I realized with horror... That i was never going to be a man no matter what i did even if i could look like a man and people think i was a man i still knew the truth inside she says now and listen to this i was constantly having to override the truth it's like in romans 1 where it says they suppress the truth in unrighteousness we looked at that passage two weeks ago she said i knew the truth but I was constantly trying to override it or suppress it. And then she found herself working, helping her mother set up a website for a Bible study she was in. And, and the, uh, she still wasn't interested in faith or God, but she knew technology. And she was going to uh, help her, her mother and make some money. They paid her to do this. And she said she embarked on this project and she discovered, I'm quoting now, she discovered God wooing her little by little. She says, and I quote, God began to reveal himself to me. In addition to the Bible study that she was working on the technology for, she she started noticing more and more her mother's commitment to Christ. Her mother was no longer a stressed-out parent like she remembered from years gone by, but she now was a committed believer, a Christian, who now was filled with peace. That was something Laura didn't have. She was miserable. And there was her mother, now filled with peace. So finally, she says, and I'm quoting, I gave my life to the Lord... She said, the complexities that follow this cannot be overstated. Can you imagine? All the surgeries, nine years as Jake. So at first she thought she would just remain being a man since she was, quote, already a man, and be a man of God. But she said, the whole Bible was telling me I couldn't be transgender. Transgender she said the journey was long and difficult and it was a messy process she said although all the way she said god was with her every step of her what she called her deed transition she said she clung to jesus and grew closer to him and and deeper in faith she pulled She pulled from the Lord's well of grace and goodness to navigate some of the most painful road bumps along the way. To use the term that's in our text, she was seeing Him who was invisible. And she was going through this and enduring because she had her eyes upon the One who was invisible. She said, I thought I would always be miserable, that I would be miserable the rest of my life, but as God has the power to do, He began to take, send her on twists and turns that she never expected. She said, the Lord redeemed and restored my life, allowing me to have, and I'm quoting her now, a happiness that I never could imagine. Wow. That's the Lord's doing, isn't it? That's the great I am. That's the shepherd. That's our Lord Jesus, the King of glory. You know, Moses wasn't afraid of Pharaoh because he knew he had his eyes on a greater king than Pharaoh. Amen? And so she goes on with her story. And she says, over the years, God peeled away the layers of all the lies and all the pain. And I began to let go of all the bitterness. Perry is now engaged to be married to a man who deeply loves her. And I lost my place. Who deeply loves her. And she's sharing her story to help others facing similar situations. Then it sums it up by saying it was a long journey and a process, long process of God redeeming and transforming me. God has completely changed and transformed my life. I know what it's like to believe the lies and believe that there is no way to change. God has done a redemptive work in me that I never could have dreamed possible. Wow. Isn't that a isn't that a sad and tragic and yet glorious story? Here's a picture of her now sharing her testimony. I want to say to everyone here today, keep praying for your loved ones. Keep praying for your wayward children and grandchildren and people you know and love. Don't give up. Keep praying. God answers prayer, doesn't he? God still works miracles in, in people's lives and change, changes people. So don't give up. Just keep loving, and keep praying, and say often, I love you. That means something to people who are hurting. And so, God changed her, redeemed her, and uh, she had lived nine years as this transgender man. You know, we looked two weeks ago at how many in the LGBT community suffer from depression and anxiety. I've got one more stat to share with you in just a few minutes. Well, I want to recap now for a minute of things we've talked about Satan. His origin back in February, we started this study, and remember other things come up, and, and we've come back to it now. But back in February, we looked at these two passages, and in these two passages, both of them speak of Satan's origin, And his fall. He was a created angel. But he chose to put himself before God. And he took with him one third of uh, the angels in heaven rebelled with him. And became his demons. Uh, And that's where we see in these passages. We see uh, that uh, uh, the words of taking those stars or angels with him. And it calls his demons in two of these passages. The devil... And his angels, demons are fallen angels, spiritual beings that along with Satan and under Satan's uh, uh, headship is out to destroy me and you, our families and so forth. And then we saw about Satan, his work, and I'm going to... Uh, We'll show you another slide on that in a second, and then we saw his judgment. Eventually, he'll be thrown in the lake of fire forever and ever, and uh, that's where he will be. Now, what about his works? These these are important. We've we've seen Jesus said in John eight, he's a liar and a murderer. He's a deceiver. We're told in Revelation twelve. He has come to steal, to kill and destroy, to steal away people's joy, their peace, their happiness, to destroy their marriages and their families, to devour like a lion. He wants to devour us. And he hides the gospel. In this passage, it says, if our gospel be hid, it it is hid by the God of this world, little G, God, that's Satan, by the God of this world, who uh, who blinds the minds of those who believe not, lest they believe the glorious gospel of Christ. So it's important that you have loved ones that don't know Jesus. Keep praying for them. Don't give up on them, uh, because Satan's trying to keep them lost, and you need to be uh, praying that they will come to Christ. So keep praying. Keep inviting them to church or... or uh, Occasionally send them something with the gospel in it And uh, because Satan is endeavoring to hide the gospel From people who are lost He can also make himself as an angel of light According to Second Corinthians And in that context it says also that his servants Make themselves out They masquerade, pretend to be, to be um, uh, servants of the Lord are even uh, servants of the gospel in other words there are people who claim to be Christians and even Christian leaders who buy into Satan's lies and become deceivers themselves it doesn't matter what I say it doesn't matter what a preacher down the road says what matters matters is what God says in his word And so he deceives as an angel of light. And then the last thing, to accomplish all of this, he has strategic plans, a military strategy to destroy you and me, our families, our children, our grandchildren, and so forth, with all of these different sins that are in our our land today. So that's Satan's work. Now, again, two weeks ago, last week I spoke on raising children, but uh, two weeks ago we talked about homosexuality as a sin. And I share this screen one more time. It's uh, it's condemned in Scripture. Here's some Scripture references, if you didn't get them the last time. Leviticus 18 clearly says, If a man lays with a man, it is an abomination to the Lord. Romans chapter 1, we went through Romans chapter 1, uh, last uh, two weeks ago, and it says, uh, it, it, it talks about uh, a woman laying with a woman, a man laying with a man, how these things are evil. And not only that, at the close of that, it says they're not content to do their evil deeds themselves. They want everybody else to do those evil deeds too. And then clearly in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, homosexuals shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But then verse 11, it says, And such were some of you. Like Laura. Such were some of you, but you've been redeemed, that you've been changed, you've been transformed by the power of Christ. Homosexuality was very common in the days of the writing of the New Testament. Many of the... uh, Emperors of Rome were homosexuals or bisexuals. And some even had children they slept with. And that's the leadership of the Roman world. Well, and then not only do these particular passages condemn homosexuality, but the word fornication means anything that's sexually wrong. It means sexual immorality. And uh, that means premarital sex is wrong, extramarital sex is wrong, homosexual sex is wrong. All sex is wrong outside of one man, one woman in a marriage relationship. That's what God's Word teaches. And so the word fornication refers to all sexual sins. So the word fornication is used 44 times in the King James Version. So every time it uses the word fornication, now that we know that the Bible condemns it, then we know that fornication means homosexuality as well. So 44 times in those other six, well, at least 50 times in the Bible, God condemns homosexuality. By the way, uh, the newer translations will translate that word fornication as literally sexual. Uh, immorality so if you have a new translation and you can't find that word fornication in the place of fornication will be the sexual immorality well with that said let me make some comments and thoughts here Genesis 1:27 says God created man and he created them male and female He created male and female. And all through the Bible, people were born male and female. And all through history, people were born male and female. Now, there may be that rare exception when a baby's not fully developed and needs some kind of minor surgery to help that. But even at that, it was born either male or female. And uh, in the Bible, all the pronouns that are used are always for male. Are female, and so the Bible condemns transgender identity because it's a part of the homosexual uh, uh, community. It's the LGBT. The T on the end stands for transgender. And so, how should we respond? Should we, should we hate them? Absolutely not. That's what the gay community accuses Christians of doing. We shouldn't hate them. We shouldn't be rude to them or be unkind. Quite the opposite. We should love them. We should want them to be happy and to find Christ and find peace and joy like Laura did. And uh, we should be kind and gentle to people who are going through such tragic times. again I want to comment on the saying that people are born that way they're born homosexual and they can't help it that doesn't come from science or biology that comes from popular culture pop culture or pop science because they like to say it's it's scientific but there's really no studies to back that up whatsoever the fact is if you go online you'll find studies just the opposite from universities that are not Christian even, from universities that, in their studies, they find absolutely no biological, scientific cause for people to be homosexual or trans, uh, transgender. And so, people are not born that way. The transgender community like to say, I was born one way, but I was just born in the wrong body. But that's totally unbiblical. God made us male and female. Now, I don't want to overstate this, so don't, don't misquote me on this, because um, pedophiles, I don't want to put them on the equal ground with homosexuals, not at all. I think pedophile is a a terribly worse sin. I just want to make this slight comparison that the pedophile uses the same reasoning as the homosexual and the transgender. The pedophile will tell you I was born this way and I cannot help my." Actions. Now, you and I reject that ideal totally. Even popular culture, except for a a real small subculture of pedophiles, we reject that ideal that they were born that way and they couldn't help it. And yet, for some reason, we accept, as a society, we accept the ideal that homosexuals and transgenders were born that way and they can't help it. We need a standard to go by instead of just everybody's opinion. And this Word, God's Word, the Bible, that's the standard. So, we should love them. Be kind and gentle to them. Now let me give you some stats and headlines. Let me see where my time is. Uh Uh-oh. You didn't want to hear that, did you? Uh, Let me move quickly here through these some statistics and headlines I wanted to share with you. So we see what's going on in America. Uh, This is from the Gallup poll. It says, in the last 10 years, people in America, the number of people who identify as LGBT has doubled. It went from 3.5% of the entire population to 7% Of the population that's from Gallup poll again from Gallup poll it says among the the Z generation which is depending on who you ask but the Z generation is basically from nine years old right now to 25 but among the adults in the G generation uh, the Z generation uh, that would be 18 to 25 among that group one in five people say they are part of the gay community and uh, that's 20 percent actually it's 21 percent is the exact number 21 percent of that age group now most of those the largest percentage of that 21 percent identify as bisexual but still that number is growing among the young people here's some information on mental health among the LGBT community they experience greater issues with, with mental health. A recent study said that 61% have depression and 36% have an anxiety disorder. Well, you put 61 and 36 together, you have 97%. But now you can't exactly do that because some of them are overlapped. Some people are depressed and have an anxiety disorder together, so you can't exactly say it's 96 percent, but you see the the great percentage of people in the gay community though they say they're happy with what they're doing, they are really many of them depressed and unhappy and with anxiety. Here's another part of that article, it says 48 percent of transgender adults report that they considered suicide in the last year, not in their whole life, but in the last year, 48% considered suicide. And among the, the heterosexual population of the U.S., only 4%. Well, that's really of the, uh, that's of the overall population in the U.S. Only 4% considered suicide in the last year. Now, here's a statistic on not only the ones that considered it, but the ones who attempted suicide. Last year, 23% of the LGBT youth attempted suicide. 23%. And of the heterosexual youth, only 6%. So though they say their decision they've made made them happy, that's not exactly true. Here's some headlines, and I've got to go through them quick. Here's an age, uh, at age 10, this transgender model is advocating for other kids to become transgender. Uh, She's a 10-year-old and born as a boy, and her name is uh, Noella, and she is believed to be the youngest transgender model to ever walk on the New York Fashion Week, both in February and in September. She says, and I'm quoting her now, it's cool to have that title. It shows that I actually am like showing others, showing other people and kids that being transgender isn't bad. And then she said she, she realized she was a girl, born as a boy, she realized she was a girl when she was two years old. Some two-year-olds can't even tie their shoes. How can, you, how can you make that kind of decision? Well, if you're two years old and you hear it all the time, that it is, uh, you hear the lies that you can choose, and you may be a boy, you may be a girl, and all of that confusion around it. Then she went on to say, and she's saying this is a very positive thing, and uh, she, her parents have supported her her whole journey. She says it, it's this simple. This is what she says, and she's trying to influence other young people. We just were born in the wrong body, pretty much, and then we switched our genders, end of quote. Here's some other. Gay pride, blasphemy is the headlines here, a teacher's union in, in Scotland, not, not here but a a big teachers' union sponsored an LGBT event that portrayed Christ as transgender. It goes on to tell more about it, of course, but I'm, I'm just hitting the highlights. The play is entitled, The Gospel According to Jesus, Queen of Heaven. It was written by a man named Joe Clifford, who identifies as a woman. He also stars in the leading role in the movie, or in the play, and this was put on by a large teachers' union in Scotland. Here's another headline. I keep saying I'm going to move fast, but I keep slowing down, don't I? This headline says, The Queering of Kids TV, LGBT Characters in Children's Animation, as producers actively push agenda and this one organization the insider says that they have found two hundred and fifty nine LGBT characters in cartoons right now in the present so you even now have to be careful what cartoons your kids watch Uh, I'll skip a few here for time's sake here's one says Parents outraged because fifth graders have given, been given access to condoms in the in the Chicago schools without parental consent. Uh, the Oklahoma University Pride Week had what they call drag queen story hour for kids ages two to ten, and this one I, is a. Certainly would take a long time to get all of it out, but it says the CDC uses your tax dollars to target teens for sex changes, polyamory, which means multiple sexual partners, and even witchcraft. In the, and this is the CDC. It's a part of the CDC uh, a website that's called QChat, I assume. The Q stands for queer, but I don't know that for sure, but it's called Q-Chat, and it's on the the CDC's LGBT Health Youth Resources, and it partnered with Planned Parenthood and P-F-L-A-G, which is the largest LGBT community in the United States, and the CDC's partnering with them, so your children can find all of this uh, deception without you knowing about it. Critics warn that it targets children with sex and gender changes and even witchcraft, and it also helps them hide it from their parents. And uh, on and on the article goes. Here's topics from that particular CDC website, gender-affirming surgeries, drag culture 101, sex ed night, and uh, uh, having multiple genders, let's talk about pronouns, and self-discovery in astrology, end of quote. This is a new one. California teacher is fired for refusing to promote same-sex marriage to kids. Now this is not in the public schools. This is in one of the largest child care companies in the United States. And this teacher did not want to share with one to five-year-olds, one to five-year-olds stories about homosexual marriages and so forth because she felt like They were not ready for that, and she herself was a believer and felt it went against her religious convictions to teach those things to the young children. And they fired her, and the person who run the uh, daycare is named Callis, Katie Callis, who is a lesbian herself. And she says that the company policy requires all staff to celebrate and promote diversity. Notice that little word promote in there. Celebrate and promote diversity, including same-sex marriage. That's teaching our one- to five-year-olds in that particular article. Listen fast now. In Scotland, four-year-olds can choose a new gender at school without parental consent." You say, well, that's in Scotland. That's true, it is. But this one is in the U.S. In Atlanta, the school system tells parents their kindergartner should leave the district if they don't like LGBT teaching. Now, this story is about a Catholic family who found out their children, their child, was being taught, and and this uh, gay philosophy was being pushed on the children? And this article names the particular books and so forth. Their child was five, five years old, and so she went to the principal and asked maybe if her child could go to a different class where that wasn't being taught. But instead of accommodating the parents. They said, basically, you've just got to, you've got to leave the whole district because all of us are teaching this. Let me see if I can just pick up that quote. They were told by an Atlanta public elementary school principal their child would need to leave the district to avoid learning about LGBT issues at the age of five. That's in Atlanta. And then goes on and on. I've got to stop. I want you to think about something with me. I've said this twice now in this study that you you we've got to make decisions. You may have to make a decision about your own children what you want them to be exposed to. You can send them to a public school, you can send them to a Christian school, or you can send them or you can homeschool them. That's basically the three options in America. You have to pray about it. So I'm not saying you should do one or the other. I'm saying you should pray earnestly and seek the Lord's mind and heart on what He wants for your children. But in saying that, and in talking about things that are wrong in the public school system, I want to say this. We appreciate so much the public school teachers who are believers. Many of them are believers. Some of the principals are believers. And people who work in the system are believers. They're they're lights in the darkness. Thank God for them. And if you're one of them, we appreciate you and we're thankful for you. We pray for you. But we have to make decisions for what's best for our children. Well, I'm trying to figure out what I can do here. I guess I'm going to stop. We're not going to have time to go back to the passage in Hebrews. The uh, thank you. The um, the passage in Hebrews talks about Moses and that he chose. He rejected Egypt. We have to we have to reject the philosophies of pop culture today. He, you're right there at it. Read this, read, at least read this verse right here. Verse 25, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, For he had respect to the recompense of reward, or that is, he knew in the long run that's what was best and right. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured. That word endured means, by the way, that's the only place in the Bible this word, this Greek word, is used. It's translated endure. Now, with the word endure, Is used many times in the Bible but there are ten different Greek words that are translated endure and this this particular one here is used only this one time it means it means strength to be given strength strength to stand against the tide of the culture and uh, against the sins of the world and so he endured As and it came from seeing him, his eyes, see, keeping his eyes on the one who is invisible. If you look, let me just finish with his quick thoughts. Uh oh, there we go. As seeing him as invisible, he, Moses, chose. He chose to seek God, which is the only way to please God. By the way, we didn't look at verse 6, I intended to, but in verse 6 it says they must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that seek Him. It doesn't say seek His blessings or seek His uh, good things happening to you. It's not talking about something pragmatic like that. It's talking about seeking Him. Him. Not what He can do for you, but Him. To know His mind, to know His heart of compassion and love for all of mankind. But you've got to make a choice to seek Him. And then Moses made the choice to forsake Egypt. We've got to forsake the culture around us. And then to commit to Christ. Instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. Remember, he was the son of Pharaoh. Or the grandson. And uh, he could have had anything he wanted. But instead he identified with the poor and those who were enslaved. And he did it because of Christ, the text says. He committed himself to Christ. Now, the writer of Hebrews is writing all this stuff for us. First century believers, yes. But also for me and for you. And so God's calling us to choose. We have to choose to seek the Lord, to reject Egypt and to commit ourselves completely to Christ. And then not only did he choose, he endured. What did he endure? He endured hardship. Think of all the difficulties he went through. And you and I will go through them as well. He endured threats. Pharaoh was going to kill him. Pharaoh had this huge army. He endured criticism. Criticism sometimes really hurts, doesn't it? Even after they'd been... (coughs) Excuse me. out of Egypt for a long time, the people kept saying things like, we'd rather go back to Egypt. We wish we'd have just died in Egypt than out here in this wilderness eating this manna every day. I mean, if you read the story, Moses is criticized constantly by the people he rescued. How do you endure such things as that? You just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the one who is invisible. And then temptation no doubt he was tempted to stay in Egypt he was tempted to stay as Pharaoh's grandson and inherit all the riches and live any way he wanted to he was tempted no doubt but he chose right because he had his eyes on the one who is invisible he was tempted all through the wilderness journey no doubt when everybody complained and criticized him he felt like throwing his hands up and quitting no doubt but he endured you and I can endure by keeping our eyes on the one who is invisible. Bow with me, please. Father, thank you for our time together today. And, and thank you for your word. Help us to see clearly that we can agree with popular culture and agree with your word both. We have to choose. We have to choose to forsake Egypt and to choose you, Lord Jesus, and to commit our lives completely and totally to you. Help every one of us to keep our eyes on you, so we might endure, that we might find your strength to go through whatever we face. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with me, please. Words are on the screen.